Thanks, sweetie. Thank you for tuning in to episode 141 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. This is the third of eight records my dad had of this orchestra leader. He was an innovator who used the voice as an instrument, not as a vocalist. The previous episode we featured, Rayon, is my most viewed on YouTube by a lot. Let's hope this one gets past the copyright police, unlike the first time I featured this artist. So, get ready to hear a multi-million selling recording musical style in Volume 141, Conniff Memories. Ray Conniff 
and his orchestra and chorus with Memories Are Made of This, written by Richard Dare, Frank Miller, and Terry Gilkison. Okay, why this record for this episode? Well, here's another example of an artist my dad has five or more records of. He's got eight from Ray Conniff. This is the third time I am featuring him on this show. The first episode, number 37, was blocked by YouTube for copyright infringement, something this show often has to deal with, but I knew that going in. The second episode, number 76, is my most viewed episode on YouTube by far, with over 8,700 views. My next popular episode on YouTube was episode 106, where I featured Harry James with almost 3,600 views. So you can see how much more popular Ray is. And I have no idea if this episode made it through the copyright check. I don't know that until after I've uploaded it. However, my dad and mom must have loved a kind of style enough to have as many of his records as they did. Here's one you can almost sing along to, even though there are no vocals on this version. Thank you. 
There is Young Love, written by Carol Joyner and Rick Carty. Okay, let me tell you about my dad's vinyl I have chosen for this episode. Ray Conniff and his orchestra and chorus, Memories Are Made of This, on the Columbia label, number CL1574. It's a vinyl LP album mono format, released in 1960. Its genre is jazz, and its style is big band, easy listening. And we will hear seven of the 12 songs from this album. Now, there aren't many liner notes, and I'll be reading all but the last paragraph. Ray Conniff has developed a completely new and refreshing sound in the field of popular music. His sparkling rhythmic treatments with a vocal chorus used as a section of the orchestra singing syllables rather than words were one of the freshest new ideas in popular music since the early 1940s. There are several distinct qualities that are always found in any kind of album. First of all, the vivid sound. To achieve this sound, Ray has worked many long hours with the Columbia Sound Engineers. The choice of songs is always tasteful, and musically, the Conniff Orchestra is always superb because of the painstaking efforts of its perfectionist conductor. Ray has always had a special knack for featuring great musicians on his albums. Billy Butterfield plays a beautiful trumpet solo on Love Letters in the Sand. Bernie Layton is the featured pianist throughout the album. And Doc Severinsen plays that exciting trumpet on Three Coins in the Fountain. The 12 songs selected for Ray's new album are among the biggest hits of the past 10 years. And each is certain to recall many pleasant memories to all listeners. Okay, let's see what prices this record is being sold at on Discogs.com. It's never been sold on that website, although there are nine for sale from $4 to $40. I found a copy on eBay for $10 and one on Amazon for $12. Now, my dad's record is in fair condition. There's not much crackling, although there is one big pop in the needle drop area at the beginning of each side. The record surface is cleaner than I expected. No real small markings that I'm used to on most of my dad's records. The cover is in poor condition. The edges have several small slits uh, where it just allows just a touch of the album to peek through. My dad has his address label on the front, which is which covers an older label, making me think he bought it while living at the first house my parents had after they were married. Uh, and, and the green magic marker streak and the word posted is on the back cover. So I will value my dad's vinyl at 75 cents. Okay, now here are those two songs featuring a couple of talented trumpet players.
Was Love Letters in the Sand 
music written by J. Fred Coots. And before that, we heard Three Coins in the Fountain featuring Doc Severinsen, one of my favorite trumpet players and one I had no idea that had played with Ray Conniff. And that was written by Sammy Kahn and Jewel Stein. Okay, let's learn about this great arranger and orchestra leader from a website that is dedicated to his memory. Ray Conniff. One of the few commercially successful musical geniuses of our time was born on November 6, 1916 in Attleboro, Massachusetts. Ray was exposed to music at an early age. His father was the leader trombonist of the local Jewelry City Band, and his mother played the piano. As a junior in Attleboro High School, Ray and some of his buddies decided to start a dance orchestra. Taking some musical tips from his father, Ray started practicing trombone and wound up playing first trombone for the band. It was for this group that Ray did his first arrangement. His fellow musicians loved his interpretation of Sweet Georgia Brown. Out of high school, Ray got his first professional job with Dan Murphy's Musical Skippers in Boston. He played trombone, arranged music, and drove a panel truck for the band. When a friend of his told him that Boston was too small for a talented musician to make it, Ray headed for the Big Apple. Ray arrived in New York at the birth of Swing. Before finding a steady gig, he sat in with bands in local clubs and practiced his instrument devoutly. Opportunity found him, and he landed his first paying job as trombonist arranger for Bunny Berrigan's band. After a 15-month stint with Berrigan, Bob Crosby hired him away in 1939. Ray played with the Crosby's Bobcats, the band you'll be hearing on the next episode of this show, for a year before he joined Artie Shaw's band. Ray's reputation as an arranger was growing, and his trombone solos were well-known. After Shaw came Glenn Gray, and then with the onslaught of World War II, Ray spent two years with the United States Army arranging for the Armed Forces Radio Services in Hollywood. He was discharged in 1946 and began arranging for Harry James. When Bebop hit the musical scene in the late 1940s, Ray, whose musical taste did not connect with Bop, stopped arranging for a while. This break brought on some hard times for Ray, both emotionally and financially. During this period, he taught himself how to conduct, involved himself in an exhaustive study of hit recordings, and developed what he believed to be a magical formula of arranging. Now, there's a lot more, and I'll use the rest in a future episode featuring Ray, because I do have several more albums to get to, but I will drop that link in this episode's liner notes. Okay, now for a great version of one of my favorite songs.
Unchained Melody, written by Hi Zeret and Alex North. Time now for this episode's interesting side note, and it has to do with how Conniff got his break and how many hits he had a hand in making. In the early 1950s, the big break in Ray's career happened when he met Mitch Miller of Columbia Records, you know, of Sing Along with Mitch fame. He hired Conniff as an arranger. In 1955, Ray got his first chance to try out his surefire theory of arranging. The lucky record was Don Cherry's Band of Gold. It became a runaway hit. This spurred a series of Conniff-arranged Columbia recording sessions, which resulted in many hit records. Among them were Johnny Ray's Just Walking in the Rain, Frankie Lane's Moonlight Gambler, Guy Mitchell's Singing the Blues, and Marty Robbins' A White Sport Coat. Ray was also responsible for the brilliant arrangements of Johnny Mathis's Chances Are, Wonderful, Wonderful, and It's Not For Me To Say. Ray's success arranging and conducting for other recording artists prompted Columbia to let him record an album under his own name. He was the first artist to use voices and vocal arranging as part of the instrumentation. For instance, female or clarinets, male voices with trombones or saxes in low register. Ray's debut album, Swonderful, was in the top 20 for nine months. Cashbox voted Ray the most promising up-and-coming band leader of 1957. He won the same award again in 1958. In 1959, disc jockeys voted the Ray Conniff Orchestra and Singers the most programmed studio orchestra. And I remember those overnights of my first radio gig very well. I probably played Conniff every other hour at that station. Now, here's a song partly written by someone who is still heard on a lot of radio stations, although he's been dead for more than 45 years. Thank you. 
Love Me Tender, written by Ken Darby, George Paulton, W.W. Fosdick, and Elvis Presley. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. There's just something about Ray Conniff music that makes you feel good, just like most of the music my dad had in his collection. Ray's music also brings back lots of memories of that first radio job I had. Like I've mentioned before, the Conniff sound was tailor-made for Al Ham's Music of Your Life format, which WBBG in Cleveland was programming while I was there. And it's obvious with eight Conniff records, my dad really enjoyed his style as well. And finally, for this episode, (laughs) boy, we play a lot of their music on this show. Other Love, written by Oscar Hammerstein II and Richard Rogers. And there you have selections from one of eight records my dad had of this unique arranger and orchestra leader. So thanks for tuning into Volume 140, Conniff Memories, however you did. If you want more information about this show, head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for Volume 141, Parading Bobcats. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. (laughs) ¶¶